what to do. All right. Let me get a good level on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I What did I get this at? Lift your head, oh, child. Week after week, you listen. have people listen go. to us as we sit here and line up our websites on our phones, or I mean our pages on our phones. Uh, <laughs> In case you were wondering... When you, when you click and you hear that little bit at the beginning, I would have to say 99% of the time we're sitting there lining up our websites, getting ready, so we so we shan't do it. Think of it as us loading bullets into our guns. Oh. oh. So violent. Yes. So dangerous. <clears throat> so violent, yet so dangerous. So- Some people are turned on by the danger. You got it all wrong. You don't, you don't talk to my friend that way. <laughs> Are you, in the words of corn, are you ready? <laughs> I'm going to evacuate that corn <laughs> and say yes. Perfect. <laughs> say hey, yes. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. And uh, for the first time in 2023, to your ears, I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? Every week I come in here, Mm. and I would think that, you know, we're going to sit down and you would assume that we are going to go over some questionable ass lyrics. Mm. And that's what happens most of the time. A couple of times it didn't. A couple of times recently it didn't. I love these ones where we sit down and they're not necessarily questionable. They're just ones that you... Whoa! They're just ones... (laughs) Sorry about that. They're just ones that you uh, you're a little bit you know you're a little bit shocked by when somebody points out to you what is exactly is going on that you had assumed for many years was was happening is is not what's happening and that is exactly what we're going to do on this one. Yes. And what is this one? Almost. Uh, well, well, I mean, I'm as, sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. How was your week? <laughs> it, was, it was fine. Yeah. I'm hoping that everyone had a safe and fun New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and that you all got to relax. Well, I guess this will be coming out on New Year's Day, mm. um, or will it? I can't remember. Yeah, no, no it'll be it'll be no, New it'll Year's be Day. the second. It'll be will it? The oh day no, after. you're right. Yeah. So yes, I hope correct. everybody, yes, had a good, fun, uh, relaxing uh, New Year's Eve day. If you go out and party, great. Uh, hopefully, you are still alive, and a drunk driver did not hit you. And hopefully, Ooh. you're not a drunk driver. Darkness. Um, <laughs> yes. Darkness is spreading. <laughs> um, we are here to talk. Uh, yes, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a different. It almost makes me think that I should rewrite my little beginning spiel because while I'm saying it, I'm like I'm lying to these fine people. Not lying. This is not questionable at best. Um, this is uh, just unknown. The song we're going to talk about is um, a song by Outcast, uh, and the song is called "Hey Ya." If you were alive in uh, the beginning of the 2000s, you could not escape this fucking song, and with good reason. Mm-hmm. We've talked about some songs that have a, had a large amount of infamy, um, and we don't know why. Like The Stroke, mm-hmm. which still befuddles us to this day. How that 
Yes, go ahead, Mark. I'm um, sorry. Yeah, we will not go off <laughs> on not, that. Tangent. I'm not talking about that song we're anymore. Not, we're not here to talk about the stroke. Yeah, um, and we're not here to talk about any Kiss song ever. <coughs> oh God. Uh, we are here to talk about Heya uh, by Outcast. Um, you know what is there to say about Outcast that hasn't been said by everyone else? Easily one of the best hip hop rap groups of all time, uh, comprised of two people, Big Boy. And Andre Three Stacks, mm. aka Andre Three Thousand. Andre Benjamin. Um, both of them have many, many nicknames. Uh, <laughs> Lucius Left Foot, aka <laughs> Big Boy. Um, many, many other names. Um, they released um, uh, a bunch of records straight out of the ATL. Um, a integral part of Southern rap. Um, the Dungeon Family. The Dungeon Family, yep. yes. Uh, and I know Seth and I. Uh, both go pretty pretty far back, relatively with Outcast. Very. Uh, you probably further back than I do. Um, but uh, you know they were a. Uh, you know, as far as rap and it's specifically Southern rap, they were a force to be reckoned with. You know, they were up there with all the other great uh, Southern uh, rap groups and rappers, <clears throat> and continued on that path for a long time. They came out with the album Stankonia. Um, which uh, brought about the hits um, Miss Jackson. Uh, what else came off of that album? Uh, yes, that, believe it or not, man, that's about the time that I, I had, um, I had uh, kind of not necessarily, wasn't really paying much attention to them a- a- as much as the first three records. Bombs Over Baghdad. Bombs the Over Baghdad. Wait, wait, wait. That might have been on Equimini. No, no, was, was it on Stankonia? Okay, I'm sorry. Equipment I coming out before that, 1998, AT right. Aliens in 1996, which is just and cooler than a polar bear's toenails. Oh hell yeah! Oh, just the one of the best freaking rap albums ever made. It's so so good. Listen to that record. Yeah, um, I remember Tim Clark um, at parties back in the day saying. Um, Throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care, and if you like shrimp and grits and all, all that, that pimp, pimp shit, shit, let me let hear you everybody say. Let me hear you say, say "Oh yeah, yeah!" And I thought "Oh yeah, yeah!" was the funniest thing on so the on the flipping. face of the planet. And they talked about flip flops and socks mm-hmm. and uh, southern things. I me mean, just stuff that's you. hard to the stuff that you see all the time in the south. Yo, mama and your cousin in too. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so hold on. How far back? How far back would you say that is? Well, I mean, with you, I mean, l- let me see. That's, I, mean, I, it was, I think it AT was, Aliens was 96. Yeah, I probably got into them very, very late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Where I probably knew them, but did not know it was them. I heard stuff and I was like, whoever this is, is really good at parties and stuff. Yeah. So I probably jumped on the train around Equemini. Okay. I don't want nostalgia to take over. But I have such warm, warm feelings when it comes to Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, which is their first uh, first record, the one that exposed them to the world. And they were only like 16, 17 when they recorded the mm-hmm. record, and they sounded like 30-year-old men. Right. They sounded... And there was a song on there that it's not a hit. There was That album had uh, Player's Ball and, and Jazzy Bell, but there was a, a minor, like, just amongst us that loved that record um, called Hootie Who. Tight like hallways, smoked out hallways. Yeah, ain't no shame when they be calling your name in the court. And and me and my brothers used to get in our (laughs) in my in my Buick LeSabre and ride down McGregor and smoke something. 
and then just mm-hmm. play that whole record. And when that song would come on, we'd just sit there and just lean back and um, whoever was just lean back low in the car and go, yeah. and, oh my God, I have Simpler such, times. such wonderful fond memories of that record. It is such a good record. And I am so happy to not be tearing this song apart and today. They did not put out a bad record. I no. want you to understand no. this. All these records are fantastic, including Stankonia, which had just so much good shit on it. Um, it's my least favorite, and it's still great. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so we get to Stankonia, which uh, comes out in 2000. And around the time that they were writing that album, uh, Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin, uh, started writing this song. Mm-hmm. Um, did not finish it. Kind of shelved it. Much to people's chagrin, um, the next album that came out in 2003 was a double album that is known as Speaker Box and The Love, the Love Below. Below. Oh. Now, when I say much to people's chagrin, I, you know, this is an amazing double album. Um, but something strange was afoot at the Circle K. Yes. Because Stanko, or um, because uh, The Love Below was predominantly all Andre 3000 and speaker box was predominantly all big boy. And it was showing a shift. Um, it was showing a, a, a rift between the two, um, whether people wanted to admit it, including them or not. Um, and you know, I think that Andre 3000 seemed pretty open to admitting that there was some separation. Uh, I don't think that big boy was as uh, keen on admitting that there was a little bit of separation. Um, I don't know that uh, I can't think of any songs off the top of my head where Andre 3000 even talks about there being any kind of separation, but on Haya, the only time you see big boy is in the beginning of the music video where he kind of plays the, the manager Um, to perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Big Boy, of course, his first single, uh, "The Way You Move," the way you move. Which, which bumped is... Haya from the number one spot. It's such a good song. <laughs> it's incredible. It's great. And as a matter of fact, to be completely frank with you, I I almost like it more than I like Haya. Really? Which is saying a lot because I love Haya, mm-hmm. but they're both very very good. Um, you know, and of course, we'll be going very very deep into Haya here in a second. But the uh, the very first lyrics to um, the way you move, ready for action, nip it in the bud. We never relax and outcast is everlasting. Not clash and not at all. But see my blank went to go to do a little acting. So he's like, immediately trying to tell you like everything's good, everything's good, and it may be good between them. I'm not sure. But it was very clear that Andre 3000 was moving away from rap. There was a marked difference between the two records. Absolutely. There was a very, very clear line between what was what. And it wasn't just their names on the front. You know, it was it was absolutely you could absolutely tell from song to song as you listen to it that there's two different things going on there. And it was it was it was it was a beautiful rift, Mark, Uh, Mm -hmm. the way they did it. 
you know, the class that, that uh, boy, big boy showed at the, at the beginning, you know, and the way of saying, you know, we're just going to take this as it comes and, and we're going to make our, you know, our own styles of music, but we're still going to be outcast, which even we all know if you're an adult, if you're mature and you know that, that things, you know, that people evolve, uh, you know, you know that there's a good chance that they're not going to be outcast anymore after this, but watching the evolution and hearing it and doing it in such a beautiful way was uh, a, a, um, a gift, I guess you could say, to audiences because it was it was it was great to watch. I mean, the, I, I and what part of that is that I don't think there was really a sadness to it. Like, oh, they're breaking up. It was more like, oh, they're growing apart. Sounds cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, I was sad. Were you? <laughs> and I think a lot of people um, in, well, I, I think it was kind of a loss to the rap community because Andre 3000 is oh. a fantastic rapper. And because of all these styles that, you know, we see him getting into, because he was into that stuff, he always brought a little bit of an interesting edge um, to his to his raps, to his lyric writing. He, you know, he referenced stuff that a lot of rappers don't. Um, because he was coming from, you know, everything, uh, you know, the thing about rap is that it, it, it largely can become, uh, very homogenized, you know, it's quickly people talking about the same things over and over and over again, as in today. And it was very, very cool that outcast referenced all of this. It's one of the things that I really like about ludicrous. He makes so many different references to different things. He's like watching. He's like the MST three three K equivalent. Yeah, in rap. I mean, he really is. Yeah. I mean, it, everything can be drawn on from a million different directions, and he's going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. And there's others that do that, but I think he's just about you got as it good all wrong. It like women in tuxedos, and you're coming up shorter than five Danny DeVitos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's so good. I mean, man. he's just he's he's, he's just. He's, he's very, very funny. He's very Another clever. Another Atlanta and he, product. And of course, not to say that women in tuxedos can't happen, but it's a funny rap. It's it's clever. Um, the, way, um, the way they put it in Wikipedia, Big Boy's Speaker Box is a Southern hip hop album with P-Funk influence. It's what we've come to expect. Andre 3000's album, The Love Below, features psychedelic, pop, funk, electro, and jazz styles. He was exploring everything at that time. And Truly. He, he basically said, I'm tired of doing rap. They have done some of the best albums in rap history. It's pretty much, this song that we're doing is pretty much a pop song. It is. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit. So we, we get to 2003. We get this song, which is a pretty big um you know a pretty big shift from what we had come to expect um from them and of course a lot of people were pretty shocked uh a lot of people were pretty thrown off um i i was yeah when i, I saw that when the first time i saw that video i was just like what what's going on this isn't but however the 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 perfection and the, and the work that was put into it is just so overwhelming that you have to like it. I mean, you it, it's just it's such a good song and it's and and the work that was done. And and we were just watching the video before this started. Shit, we were still discovering things in it that I missed from 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, uh the first time I ever my my attention was brought to this song was our uh, mutual friend Mike Mitchell oh, wow. who had heard it um, not to be confused with Mike Mitchell from the Doughboys or <laughs> any other famous Mike Mitchell <coughs> it's our own local famous Mike Mitchell who was talking about how good the song is uh, it was originally under the working title 
Thank God for Mom and Dad when mm. he was originally working on it. Um, Which is a line in the song. It is. Yeah. Uh, reached number one in the United States, Australia, Canada, the Czech Republic, Norway, and Sweden. It was the first song to be hit platinum by singles downloads um, that were paid for uh, in history. So uh, it was right at the, the perfect time. It was the hit song when Casey Kasem stepped down wow. and Ryan Seacrest stepped up. Wow. Um, and it bridged. Um, it signaled you know, all sorts of changes. It did. It, it did. Um, won a BET award, a Grammy award, an iHeartRadio Music Award, MTV Music Award, uh, Europe. Uh, it was nominated in Japan, ND, N- NAACP Image Award, Soul Train Music Award. The won song won everything. an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> Not even him. The song won an EGOT. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's amazing how how uh, the accolades that go along with this song are just amazing. Indeed. Yeah. Um, one of the um, one of the pretty incredible things about the song is that it was written entirely by Andre Three Thousand himself, with some of the only chords he knew how to play on guitar. Um, so he just wrote it and worked on the lyrics, and and did that. And it makes me feel like a crummy fucking songwriter. Some people just and I mean you know it, the, the, there's not much to the song musically. Though it does a bunch of cool things, and it just goes to show you that, you know, you can learn theory, but you can also just feel theory. Yeah, or or you can just be touched by God, so to speak, and have this gift bestowed upon you that just the little that you're given, you're able to do so much with. Yeah, and there is some musical theory stuff here um, that I don't even fully understand, uh, but something called deceptive cadence, where mm. a, a, a chord progression moves in a direction where you think that it is going to uh, wrap up and resolve in one way, but it basically does uh, so in another way, which leaves you kind of hanging and kind of, um, you know, a lot of people think that like the the feel of the song um, where you think you're going to, um, you know, wrap up with Sunshine and Rainbows and you end up actually, um, you know, with this minor chord um, kind of is a foretelling of the lyrics. Uh, And if you get into it, um, there's a lot of stuff online where people go off about how brilliant the song is, not just by some of the obvious stuff uh, with it being catchy and all that, but also, as I mentioned, the lyrics and the chords kind of mirroring the feeling of the lyrics. Uh, The only instrument here. Now, this is interesting because I've read this a couple places and then I've seen some other places where it doesn't seem to corroborate it. The only instrument that he did not play is bass and the bass on the album for, for on this song from what I from what I've what, from what I had heard previously from other people and what I've seen on a couple websites is played by Aaron Mills of the band Cameo. OK, OK. And if you listen, I mean, there is some next level bass playing on this song that I don't think would be Andre 3000. At the beginning in the video, you see him playing. I I, I know this. You can see him playing specific notes. Later on, I know it gets very complicated. You're not watching his hands. You you don't see him in the video, but you see him playing the notes on that Rickenbacker 4003. And he he wrote the song on guitar, so you know he knows third fret. 
yeah. seventh fret, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know that all that booty. It is in a one four like, five. I mean, at the beginning, you yes. know, so it's it's pretty it's pretty basic in, in in that regard. But then structurally, it just goes off. As Mark talking about that cadence thing, yeah, it does. Yeah. So I mean, um, I, I'm hoping uh, that it is Aaron Mills from Cameo. If you're not familiar with Cameo, Cameo, they're known for their hit song "Wired Up." Word up, yeah. Um, so uh, that's what I had always heard on on a couple web pages. I see that it says he did. It does not say so on the uh, Wikipedia page. Hmm. Uh, it just has. It's so funny because it lists Andre three thousand is doing pretty much everything in the world: vocals, guitars, keyboards, production, audio programming. Kevin Kendricks. It says keyboards, which apparently he played some of the bass part on synth. But again. I had heard that Aaron Mills from Cameo played bass, but uh, maybe I'm just completely wrong. So I want to talk a little bit, I guess, about the irony of what happens in these lyrics before we get into them, which is that uh, we're dealing with a little bit of a um, Nostradamus moment where uh, he talks in the lyrics basically about people not caring about the lyrics. Yeah. Yes. And then we find out that I guess a lot of people didn't care about the lyrics. I think the first time I heard it, I probably heard him say, y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. You just want to. And so that made me curious to look at the lyrics. And then I saw the lyrics and I was like, wow. Um, Now, again, was this pointed out to you or did you find that out on your own? I found it out on my own. You did because it was pointed out to me by Eric, our friend, Eric. Um, and, and I, and this is how I found out about it just a couple of weeks ago, completely independent of lyrics to go adjacent things Mm -hmm. or Mark finding it, you know, doing the things that he was doing, uh, Mark, I got to give it to him. And I went over it and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be done. The next thing I know, I see it, you know, come pop up on, on our Facebook page. And then we're me and you were discussing it not long after. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that kind of further builds into it's it's almost like taking a chance um, and a self-fulfilling prophecy that just ends up making the song that much better because you can't help but go, well, he was right. I mean, if, yeah. if you do finally get to where we're going to get to today, where you have someone kind of point out what the song is about, you realize kind of what you've been dancing to. Um, and in the vein of, you know, the Smiths and the Buzzcocks, yeah. um, who are actually some of the bands that he considered, um, kind of being, uh, you know, an inspiration to him, uh, inspired by bands such as the Ramones, the Buzzcocks, the Hives and the Smiths, uh, a bunch of bands who did upbeat stuff that when you paid attention was not upbeat. We're going to be doing another song like that here in yes, a couple we weeks that we talked about today. Uh, but let's go ahead and focus you, well, on I this. just have a question. In, sure. in that regard, this just says, this, uh, um, indulge me for a moment. There's a lot of songs like that. It is a topic when people bring up songwriting that, that very often comes up um, of songs that <clears throat> sound happy. However, when you pay attention to the, to the lyrics, they're incredibly uh, you know, downbeat. Is there one in specific that has always stuck out in your head? Is there one? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, well, <clears throat> I think two two people, two bands that come to mind when I think of sad songs uh, or sad, happy songs that are sad. One is basically The Smiths because okay. they are 
far and away one of the bands where you're sitting there like, oh, this is like some nice British pop music. And you're like, oh, this song is about his manager, like him, him wanting his manager to hang himself. Uh, this song is about him, you know, getting crushed by a double decker bus. This is intense. Yeah. The other is they might be giants who I honestly oh. think may be the best at it. Okay. If I had to put my money down for someone, which for one, Mark? John Linnell. Uh, well, I mean, John Linnell. Which song? Oh, Jesus Christ! Which one? I, I There's mean, so many. They're all great. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to put my to put my finger on one. Yeah. Uh, pretty much half of Flood. Um, you know, uh, I I mean, I would say uh, thinking of Flood. Uh, itself, Lucky Ball and Chain is an absolutely devastating song, <laughs> and it is so funny. And it's got, and on top of it, they got these like little like quirky and silly sounding keyboard sounds. They're like burp, burp, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this song is about his wife walking out on him and yeah. him being all alone, and how devastated he is, and yeah. she's not coming back. Um, Robin dancing on my own is another song oh, that, that is. So is good. When I, I was explaining the lyrics to my girlfriend and I was getting choked up and she was getting choked up and I was like, I need to stop telling I, you what I this did the same thing about. with my wife. I did the same thing. <laughs> I was just like, because then, mm-hmm, all right. <clears throat> she I was know. Like, she was like, Jesus Christ, Mark. I was like, all right, I'm do- uh, we're, we're done here. We Let's go fucking get something to eat or something. Yeah. So de- that song, the lyrics are devastating when i was um i think like 14 years old i was hanging out with friends of mine from way back some hendershot folk my friends my friends <laughs> and they point this is the very first time this ever happened that i that i was pointed that this was pointed out to me we were listening to pink floyd and um and they were like listen to this song and it came on it had a jaunty little happy guitar part and then the words went the memories of a man in his old age are the deeds of a man in his prime you shuffle in the gloom of your sick room and then talk to yourself as you die. And it's a song called Freeform. And I was like, holy shit, that's that's just dark. Why mm-hmm. does it sound so happy, but it's so dark? And that always stuck with me as the first time that I remember hearing a happy song that, you know, that just that stood out as super, super sad and super depressing. The rest of that song just gets even more depressing. But Mark, um, everybody dies frustrated and sad, and that is beautiful. Oh. And uh, that's <laughs> about, that might be my favorite example, maybe ever, of what we're talking about. Yeah. But thanks for indulging me on that. We no, got to get to these lyrics. Yeah. I love talking about stuff like that. So we'll talk a little. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I will say um, I, I listened a little bit while I was in the shower to someone talking about the lyrics of the song uh, in preparation. And uh, she said something like, you can't understand any of the lyrics. It sounded very white. It sounded very like <laughs> whenever those blacks are talking fast that you can't understand them. And the only line that you can understand is when he starts saying the stuff at the end, uh, which we'll get to. I, I was able to pretty easily understand the lyrics. Y- you can the understand song. the lyrics when you, when you pay attention. Right. I mean, but he I'll, is right. I'll be the first to admit that when you listen to like, busy bone oh, you're probably like impossible. what you yeah. know you know but but he's right it makes you want to dance it does it makes you want to this song makes you want to dance more than anything absolutely I mean, yeah absolutely um let's go ahead and get into it one two three uh my baby don't mess around because she loves me so and this i know for sure but does she really wanna but can't stand to see me walk out the door. 
Don't try to fight the feeling because the thought alone is killing me right now. Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how. Come on. <clears throat> you and I both get, come into this um, in different ways often. Um, so a lot of times you just sit down and you start talking about it. I know for a fact just between me and you that, that you have read about things and done your own research at times that you're not necessarily talking about. I know that. Um, most of the time you're sitting down when we started doing this, I, I did my best to research songs, go through things on the internet. Since that time, I've calmed down on that and taken more of your approach. Mm -hmm. I read some things about this, uh, first verse. What's being expressed is that, um, he's kind of doing a statement on modern relationships and, you know, in the past, people were together because of, you know, the institution of marriage. It was just you stayed together. And then now these days, people often say you stay together because, you know, you're just scared of being alone, uh -huh. which is rather cynical. Um, but I think that when I started reading there's there, this there might be a maybe maybe a deeper level of cynicism in these <laughs> lyrics than just. I'm I'm scared of being alone, um, which I didn't pick up from this song. Um, I picked up more, you know. Uh, well, it, the lyric comes later, but nothing is forever. You know, it's 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 just it, nothing is. We're we're not meant to be together. Well, let's in the uh, end. yeah. So let's. Talk, I don't want to get too deep. Let's talk too a early. little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, we're gonna have to because yeah. this is an awfully deep fucking first verse. The first yeah. half. We're dealing with, you know, a guy saying that my 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 girlfriend or wife doesn't cheat on me um, because she loves me and I'm sure of it. But is the reason that she doesn't cheat on me really be because she doesn't want to see me leave? Is she is she feeling like she is held in this relationship against her will? You know, it's it's you're you're witnessing the unraveling of a relationship, which is the deeper cynicism. And I think. and yeah. uh, well, I mean, is it cynicism? Is it truth? I mean, we don't know. I guess now, it depends. when we talk, it's funny that we're doing this song now because I just saw something recently where people talk a lot about the divorce rates going up. Why are the divorce rates going up? And I mean, there are a lot of different ways to look at it, but I'm going to be honest with you. One of the big reasons now is women having more autonomy than they ever have. One of the big reasons women wouldn't leave is because they couldn't have their own bank accounts. They couldn't vote. You know, they, <laughs> they oftentimes couldn't keep the things. children. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, like there were there were tons and tons of times, I'm sure, <coughs> where women would leave if they were able to have money or if they weren't kind of forced by society or by their husbands to, um, you know, be just the homemaker and nothing more and to not have their own, you know, their own money to be able to go out. But, you know, I still know it to this day that there are men that will get women into a relationship and say, let me be your sugar daddy. Let me provide for you. And then um, can turn on a dime at any point and say, well, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You don't have anything. You cannot be your own person. Yeah. Now, I mean, again, this has changed a lot. Um, and it's gotten way better than it ever was, but you can't help but wonder if, um, for a long time, 
there was not as much divorce because there was only one person really making all the decisions. Yes. And when a guy was, um, you know, cheating with his um, his secretary or Go whatever, um, even if she knew, even if the wife knew, there was nothing she could do about it. You know, and then even if you could do about it, there would be worrying about keeping up with the Joneses and keeping up appearances and, you know, and kids, a lot of those worries, which now, you know, divorce being more normalized and all that, I think is kind of taking the chill off. Um, But, you know, I, I, I don't know how much of it is, um, you know, how you put it, just cynicism. Um, And I don't know how much of it is, you know, I, I think we've been. Over the last, you know, number of years from the 70s to now, there's been uh, a big chill. Uh, there's been a, yes. you know, a, a very big difference in how people review, how people view relationships, how people view monogamy, how people view marriage, how people view divorce. The playing field has definitely leveled out a little. Not completely. Right. But it's definitely, definitely uh, changed from... From the past, you know, I heard my grandmother talk about, you know, my mother talk about my great grandmother and said, you know, they they probably didn't like each other at all. They just had to stay together because they had nine kids. I'm like, well, they had to like something, you know, I mean, obviously it was just one thing, but uh, yeah. And, and God, man, this is all from verse one. Yeah. I mean, geez, geez. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, um, and just the hardening of relationships. And I mean, we all know that the longer you're with somebody, Sometimes the harder it can be. Um, you know, they talk a lot about the seven-year rich. This is not a uh, new concept. Um, but even just those first four lines, like I said, my baby doesn't mess around because she loves me. And I know that. But he instantly starts questioning himself. But does she want to mess around? But she would be so upset that, you know, that to see me leave, to see, you know, that... That I would be, you know, she would be upset because I'd be upset because I would leave her. Um, don't try to fight the feeling because the thought alone is killing me right now. Here's the first real question um, is, who's he talking to? Is he talking to his girlfriend? Don't try to fight the feeling of wanting to be with someone else. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, the don't try to fight the feeling. It's kind of an interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's I think the first part where we go, OK, well, is he talking to her is he talking to himself is he talking to people is he giving a message like people in general yeah um but i think he says you know when he says because the thought alone is killing me right now um i think it means that he's talking to her and he's saying like you know if it's something that you want to do then you should do it mm. you know don't try to fight the feeling even um, though and, and even though he's not saying although you know he's is is isn't kind of insinuating it because the thought alone is killing me right now. The thought of you know you leaving is killing me. Well, you know, you know, this has been this has been one of those things. I guess depending on how you are in relationships and who you are, I'll, relationships and people's viewpoints on relationships blow my mind. And you know, obviously, it's a very relationships and what relationships consists of. And we'll just kind of break it on into two parts, which is sex and love. Mm. All right. So these things are not mutually exclusive. Not at all. You can have sex with someone you don't love and you can love someone and not have sex with them. But when you have those two things together, I think in large part for most people, that is what what makes a relationship. Mm. And 
you know, I think that um, it, it, there are times where I've seen people, their idea of love is caging a bird, you know, and is if you're not alive, I don't want to be alive. And that frightens me. Well, <laughs> like, that's when I see people that are like, he died 30 minutes after she died because he couldn't stand being on the earth. That's very intense. And I, if that's the way you feel. Well, at 80, that's romantic. To you me, know. <laughs> it's, I, I mean. I don't know. I think it is. I mean. Well, again, yeah. it depends on who you are. Yeah. I have always been in the mindset. I'm a very individual person. I want to be with someone who helps complete me, but no one is going to fully be me. So, I mean, I am fine being by myself, but I do like being with someone who is wonderful. And I guess I like being with someone who shares kind of that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want someone who would want to die if I was dead. That freaks me well, out. Well, no, that's, that's <laughs> you know? I mean, as when you become an adult and you go through like that first relationship, you know, that it, it should, the first one, you know, like that puppy love or maybe the, you're, you're the one that you're in high, the uh, graduate high school with or, you know, that you're with at that time. This is when you learn those things. This is when you should learn those things. Of course, you and I both know that those, that caged bird feeling can stretch out into 20s, 30s, very late in life. It can happen. You know, it's, it's uh, people that, and, and there's also a matter of, you know, dominance that they just want to, I have this person, I control them. It's, it's uh, the control over them is satiates my ego and it's part of who I am. It's my character at this point. And it's a terrible thing. It's something that you should learn early, but it sadly, it is a, a, a big part of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people's lives, even people that we know. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but I think kind of what we're dealing with when he says don't try to fight the feeling because the thought alone is killing me right now is uh, I think we may have talked about it in an earlier episode, but may, I, I know I've had conversations with people about it. Um, I can't think of the ep- what episode it would have been that we would have talked about it, but is kind of like the the women's viewpoint, the stereotypical women's viewpoint of I don't want you to. I want you to want to. Which is to say, I don't want you to go dancing with me because I want to go. I want you to want to go dancing with me because it means something to me. Yes. And for guys, this is a very alien concept. It is a very strange concept because most guys are like, let me just do my thing. If I've got a thing that I want to do and you don't want to do it, that's fine. We can get back together later on. Um, You know, they're much more like stray from the pack and go hunting and come back later on and and do stuff later. Now can we go home? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, what he's kind of saying here is like, I don't want you to be here to keep me here. That 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 is killing me that you're only staying with me and not sleeping around just because you don't want me to leave you. Yeah. Um, you know, I want you to be here because you love me and you don't want to be with anyone else. Okay. I don't want you to, you know, suppress those feelings only just to keep me around. You're you're saying what's what the article said, what I talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, you're you're essentially saying which I mean, that's that's how that the article summed up the whole song. I think that it goes deeper than that. I think it goes to in different directions. But um, um, but the last line is, you know, when you're listening to it. The, in the first couple of years when you hear it, thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together, for sticking together because we don't know how. Yeah, the sticking two together, 
um, is I, I don't really. It's the one bummer about these lyrics. He kind of just jammed a two in there, I think. Yes. Um, and it makes it kind of confusing. As a matter of fact, when I was looking up the lyrics, I saw some lyrics that put TWO. Yeah. For sticking like two people together. Um, the lyrics that we're looking at at Genius are TO. TO, yeah. Two together. Um, uh, the Genius annotation here, we haven't read any Genius annotations because I think we're both just like pumped to talk about this. Yeah. But um, he, uh, Andre 3000 himself, said the following about the overall theme of the song, relates, which relates to these lines. Hey, yeah, is pretty much about the state of relationships in the 2000s. It's about some people who stay together in relationships because of tradition, because someone told them, you guys are supposed to stay together, but you pretty much end up being unhappy for the rest of your life. Mm. And, mm. you know, I'll tell you, man, I've had, I've talked to some people that have been in marriages or long-term relationships where I'm like, you need to get the fuck out of there. You're not happy. The, you, you know, all bets are off. Like if, if you're unhappy and especially if you feel like you're not be your needs are not being met, whatever they are. Can I help you find if an you're, apartment? If you're reaching out to the person and saying to them, I'm not getting X, Y, or Z that I need, and they are not looking to help you provide that or, or you know, provide that for you or what have you, whatever it is, then you're kind of on a sinking ship. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people that have been in long-term relationships where someone has said, I need this from you. And the other person has said, okay. Or there are some people that have opened up their marriage because one of them is sexual and the other one isn't. Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, um, there are people who have at least tried to, you know, work things out so the other person are having their needs met, whether they're new, um, whether they are old but dormant, whatever it is. Um, again, the traditional was always, we don't get divorced. People don't get divorced. That's, that's a bad word. That's a bad thing. And especially if you're, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially if you're Catholic, you got to spell it cause it's so bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's, you know, there's a bunch of cases where it's especially bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and so people are scared to live their own life. They're scared to do what they know they need to do. Um, and, you know, that's clearly where this line is uh, is is coming from. You have to like you said at the beginning, man, the playing field wasn't leveled back then. You know, that's uh, it's terrifying stepping out on your own today. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, not and necessarily. It's and and yeah. it's terrifying for both people. And especially as you start getting older, I'm oh, no yeah. thinner now than I was, you know, when I thought I was <laughs> fat before. And I mean, it's it's funny because we all this talk has been about a, it. a topic with you. Uh, and it has been Mark. And I'm just saying this me to you. I think you could do. I think, you know, I know you're with someone, but right. it should hypothetically not saying anything here. Don't want anybody to get upset. I think if you were <laughs> back out there in the in the ocean again, it, I think it would be easier than you think. Well, and I think it would. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that that is. Not where this song is going. Oh, and it's not. But no, it's I, not. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's kind of like what a lot of people don't realize when they get in this yeah. situation where they go, "Well, who's going to want a mom?" Mm -hmm. Yes. Who's going to want me now that I have saggy tits? Who's going to want me now that I'm not as athletic as I was? Yeah. Who's going to want me 
when I'm 40 and I don't own a home. As cynical Who's as gonna most want people as, are. You know, a 40-something-year-old person working in this industry or that industry. I'm not f- popular enough. I'm not, uh, you know, X enough. I'm not Y enough. And so they stay in a relationship that they're unhappy with because at least this person is still around. Yeah. And it's I get to very, see him walk in the door every day. Yeah, yeah. And and at least at least at least I'm on a sinking ship with a person. Right. And you know they talk about the devil you know. Yeah. You know. Um, okay, we are going. Man, we're going in. Like, that, yeah. That's verse one. So that's, for, verse, that's one. verse one. Luckily, the chorus is just hey ya uh, hey ya uh, hey ya uh, hey ya. Uh. We can yeah. just skip over that. Um, the second verse. Um, is more depressing, and then. <laughs> We get to uh, the, the the big part. You think you've got it. Oh, you think you've got it. But got it, just don't get it till there's nothing at all. We get together. Oh, we get together. But separate's always better when there's feelings involved. If what they say is nothing is forever, then what makes, then what makes, then what makes, then what makes, then what, makes what makes love the exception? So why oh why oh why oh why oh why oh are we so in denial when we know we're not happy here? And then yeah, this this is he just crushes. You. This line is freaking genius. He just it really is fucking crushes you. Uh-uh. You think you've got it? Oh, you think you've got it? But got it, and we got got it in little in little quotes. Right. Got it. Just don't get it till there's nothing at all. We get together, oh, we get together, but separate's always better when there's feelings involved. I think there's a couple different ways that you can you can look at this, and I think it's interesting that this is one of the only lines here um, that doesn't have uh, you know this this first half of the second verse um, is the only, is one of the only parts in the song that doesn't have any kind of genius annotation. Um, you know, I think what I get from it is um, you think that you've you've got a relationship. You think you've got that significant other, that that certain somebody. But at the end of the day, it, that doesn't matter if you don't have any that click, if you don't if you don't have that desire to be with each other and we get together. But separate's always better when there's feelings involved, you know, that whenever push comes to shove and you have to start talking about what you're missing, what you need in a relationship that you want that separation. You don't want to be around that person, you know, that, that realizing that maybe you don't want to be with it. Maybe it's not that you don't want to be with that person, but it's that you'd rather be alone Hmm. that you'd rather be rather be able to whatever it is, play the field or, do your own thing and not have to worry about whether or not someone's going to be okay with it, whether or not someone's going to be, you know, supportive, um, uh, you know, cause it, it's, it reminds me of like the age old, uh, saying, um, there's nothing that will remind you more of loneliness when you're around someone that you're supposed to love and not feeling anything at all. The opposite of love is not in hate is not it's, hate. It's indifference. Yeah. And so, which throughout the course of the episodes that we have done, I have come to find out is one of the most true things that is spoken on these shows. It it really is. I believe so too. Yeah. God Um, damn, Mark, this shit is getting dark. And if what they say is, 
nothing is forever, if the saying is nothing is forever, then what makes love the exception? And, you know, it's funny. I, I remember talking to people in the past when people, you know, I love the Beatles, but when they sang all you need is love, I was like, bullshit. <laughs> it's not all you need. Love is not it. You need, you know, it's a wonderful concept. And I think that, you know, if you try not to be, you would say cynical, maybe. Um, but if you try not to be like very like on the nose about it, then, you know, it's a it's a very sweet sentiment that is true in some ways. Um, but when it comes to a relationship, um, I guess to an extent, you could you could maybe argue that all you need is love, depending on how love what you mean by love and how what love looks like. Mm -hmm. If love is just saying you love someone or being enamored with them, then love is not all you need. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, you know, a million and one different things. Thank you, Philippians. <laughs> love is letting someone go if they're unhappy. Yes. That's love. Yes. It's a very, very hard pill for people to swallow in regards to the Beatles. I think that they were that, that in their specific case, they were talking about something completely different. They were, I think that they were in, in without using the word singing about an unconditional love, you know, but, yeah. but you're right. You know, well, there people, is so people much do more take it to, to mean, I think people have taken it and kind of bastardized it. If they didn't mean it in the more general sense, right? I think people have gone on and said, well, and this is the thing that, your idea of love and my idea of love, mm. when you hear that word, I don't know if you've ever seen Waking Life, but there's a little part there where a woman is talking about like when, when you hear love, you know, it fires some synapses in your brain and it brings, you know, certain images and thoughts of like your mom, like taking care of you when you were young warmth, and, you know, jet and like past relationships and da, 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 da. You have very specific ideas of what love looks like feels like smells like tastes like mine could be very drastically different and mm. you know they you know not to get like too too heavy into it which we already have been but you know how you're taught what love looks like you know if your dad was very hard on you mm. then love you know may manifest itself in in it to you to be being very, very judgmental and because I only want the best for you. Right. And that's what love looks like. Um, well, in, in when you, as you grow and you learn, um, you will come to find out that Sonny and Cher are completely wrong. Your love will not pay the rent and that will eventually create friction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and that uh, there are times where you go through bullshit in order to get to where you see a new concept and have new perceptions of love. You know, shit makes the flowers grow, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. So. <clears throat> so why, oh, why are we so in denial? The, the way he puts these Y-O-Ys and then what makes, what makes, what makes, you know. The Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O, are we so in denial? And they sound, while we're saying them, it sounds stupid. When he's saying it, it sounds, it's, it's yeah. incredible. The way he fits everything in. It sounds silly, but I mean, the way when we're doing it, but in the song, oh my God, it, it's perfect. So why are we so in denial when we know we're not happy here? This and then boom, there's a stop. It's a dead stop. Yeah. He 
has finally said it. He's finally said, then what the fuck are we doing? Then why are we pretending this is something it isn't? We both know we're not happy. So why are we doing it? And then the music stops. And then as soon as it starts back up, he says, absolutely. It's a very big dramatic stop. And then he says, y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. It's it's absolutely it's beautiful. Yeah. What a poet. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, and he was right. No one wanted to hear the message of the song. It took 20 years for me to catch on to it. All I heard was, you know, because I mean, that's all anybody wanted to hear. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a everybody song. said, what a catchy song. Cool. I'm going to dance to it. Um, you know, and, uh, it's got a great beat and they probably heard him say, y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. And no one said, what do you mean? Now I shouldn't say no one cause I did, but a lot of people were just like, what do you mean? You don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. What, why, what have you been saying? I'll be completely honest. I didn't get it at the time. I didn't because he knows what he's talking about. Yes. And that's did. the thing is that the true genius is that we have to do this episode. This is the chickens coming home to roost only almost 20 years later. Yeah, tell him Farrakhan. This is what he was hoping would happen that when the bomb finally drops on you, it really affects you when you realize, oh my God, he has been right for <sighs> two, five, 10, 17, Ooh. 20, 30 years that, oh my God, I've been doing exactly what he said I'd be doing. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, and it, and then he uh, he hits you with the lines that ironically everyone remembers. Don't want to meet your daddy. Just want you in my caddy. Don't want to meet your mama. Just want to make you come up. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And for once, genius hits the nail on the head. There's no stretch here. Andre is being very upfront about what he wants in this girl. He's not working for a serious relationship. He's, uh, all he wants is shorty. He can have, wait, no, 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 take that back. No, I think this guy got it wrong. I think this guy, I think Genius once again did get it wrong. I think that the last line is definitely expression of the overall theme of the song about, you know, what we expect out of relationships and where they're at today. I think I'm just being honest is in direct reference to verse one and verse two. These lines are just, they're clever, but are just thrown out there for you to pay attention to them. And you do. These are the lines that you... These next couple of lines after this even are the ones that you pay attention to in the song. Uh, Someone, uh, a contributor to the annotation for this line says, these lines also come after the line, y'all don't want to hear me, you just want to dance, which is referring to how most people ignore the true message in a song in favor of whether it is catchy or not. Afterwards, the lyrics go from a nuanced look on relationships to generic verses about having sex and wanting women to twerk, as seen by the lines, just want to make you come up and uh, shake it like a Polaroid picture, which we'll get so to here in a bit. 
And so I perceive it as Andre giving up on giving, getting his message across as he realizes that people won't listen to him either way. And I think that's what's going on here. I think after hmm. he, he dumps the idea of why even bother talking to you about this real shit? All you want me to do is fucking talk about making someone come and, and you know, he immediately turns everything on its head. Yeah. And it's genius. I do agree with you that on on that one. Um, I just I, I think maybe the last line is what hits me, especially after all that we've talked about. I'm just being honest. Like all of a sudden, the honesty really comes out. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe it's it's meant to be. It's double entendre. It's twofold. I mean, shit. It probably is. I mean, maybe the I'm just being honest is uh, him saying um, is kind of referring back to the uh, y'all just you all don't want me here. You just want to dance, mm. like look i'm just i'm being honest this is what you want to hear this is what you guys came well, that here works for. both ways this is what we've this is what i've been saying in outcast for since 19 oh, mid 90s yeah this is what you want to hear you don't want to hear me talk about serious stuff and and taking apart relationships in the 21st century you want to hear me talking about making people you know come and and fucking them in the back of caddies one of at the beginning of the song or episode, I talked about um, uh, Hootie Who, um, and it's not one of the moves. It, it, it's one of the more popular amongst people that I know for the chorus. But the lines that he talks about in that song are not the bars that he has in at the end of the song are not things that you hear. You did not hear in rap songs back in those days. You heard him speak about. Um, just the other day I ran into this dude from, I was walking through the mall and I ran through this dude from high school and, uh, he kept smiling like a, like a clown facial expressions, looking silly, um, saying, Hey man, I know you got more, m- m- I got, you know, you, you got plenty of buku bucks that you done made. Give me some. And I replied that I had been going through the same thing that he had. True. I got more fans than the average man, but not enough loot to last me to the end of the week. I live by the beat by you li- like you live check to check, you know, and he talks about, you know, these situations that you're stuck in, you know, he talks about situations that you're stuck in. I believe that we're, that, the, that the Andre, as I'm seeing now, the Andre that we saw from 1994 is essentially the same guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really the same guy. He's, he's bringing up things. He's always brought up things that you didn't hear all the time in rap music, you know, right. scenarios like this. Even though technically this is not a rap song, this is a pop song, right? You know, but I mean, I'm. Uh, it's just it's wonderful. As I'm sitting here, I'm making that connection, realizing, shit, he's the same guy. Even when he was 17 years old, you know, yeah. he he recognized these things. Ah, yeah, shit, what a smart motherfucker. Uh, to be honest with you, Seth and uh, and listener alike, I don't really care about the rest of these lyrics. We can I don't either. We can go through them, but the 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 message is coming past. Um, you know, the rest of this is more dance. Yeah. It's making you dance and not paying attention to what I'm saying. Hey, all right now. All right now, fellas. Yeah. What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. I can't hear you. I said, what's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. All right. 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 Okay. Now, ladies. Yeah. Now we're going to break this thing down in just a few seconds. Now, don't have me break this thing down for nothing. <laughs> I want to see you all in your baddest behavior. Lend me some sugar. I am your neighbor. Here we go. Shake it. 
shake, shake it, shake it, shake, shake it, shake it, shake, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. Um, he says this a little bit more, then he kind of overdubs himself. Now all the Beyonce's and Lucy Lou's baby dolls get on the floor. Get on the floor. You know what to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. Hey, uh. Mark, it's it's a tale of two songs. Mm-hmm. It's it is. everything at the beginning, you know, where he's going in depth about relationship dynamics and how he really feels. And then, fuck it. Y'all guys just came here to dance. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, I don't, I'm not particularly worried about, you know, any any depth to what I'm saying at this point because I know you're just here to dance. All right, all right, all right. You know, I think that's what's really, he's driving that home with that, you know, repetition of something so inane that in any other song you'd go, oh, it's inane. But in this song, you're like, oh, I'm getting it. I, yeah. I get where he's trying, he's expressing something still. Yeah. And know? I mean, the message is all in the verses. The chorus is is mindful, just hey ya, yeah, and that's it. Where a lot of people try and kind of cram the message in the chorus, he crams it all in the verse. Uh, I mean, there's usually message in the verse too. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of people, um, you know, will will you know kind of leave the chorus to be where you kind of wrap it up, and uh, it's the same thing over and over again. Uh, but it kind of truncates what's going on in the verse, and here. There's none of that to be found, man. You've got to dig into the verses. Yeah. Uh, he says the song isn't autobiographical. It's more like fantasies or tangents based on real life. Moments from my life spark a thought when I'm writing. The story was set in the 50s, so the song was me trying to do a Woody Allen kind of thing, a humorous, humorous kind of honesty. Um, I had to tell Aretha Franklin that that's, say a little that's prayer. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's apparently, each song on the Love Below is. Uh, like about a different woman and about a different situation again and n- not autobiographical but kind of in a different situation uh, he also said I had to tell Aretha Franklin that say a little prayer had a lot to do with the song hey uh, they're similar time signature wise it's hard to explain but listening to that song the way the loop comes back around is kind of how I devised hey uh, and I had to tell her that she's a big part of that song do you think this one was about it Erica Badu I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more. Probably, but, probably I mean, not, but maybe. This I mean, was around be. that time. It could be. This was, yeah. Um, all of the uh, all of the words of the, the group of guys in the recording are all Andre 3000. Um, he basically just overdubbed himself. Um, so there is no other guy in there. Um, all of the of all of the man that you're hearing. Um, those are all him. Um, as far as the women in the crowd, um, those were all, I believe the girlfriend or wife of one of the, um, the audio engineers. She did all of the, um, all of the, the voices for the ladies. You're hearing the, yes. Her name is Rebecca Tuni, Twine, sorry. Uh, he was an assist. I'm sorry, was an assistant to the audio engineer. Hmm. So they just overdubbed a bunch of her. So just when she's going, yeah, when you hear the, yeah, yep, exactly. Um, the music video is uh, very awesome. Is very fun. If if you didn't get that, this is just a stone cold beautiful work of art with an with a with a deep message. So does so is the flipping video, in my opinion. Well, maybe not with a necessarily super deep message, but it's definitely a, a just a. A, a a beautiful work of art in every way. 
we sat down and um, there were things in, like I said, missed so many things from 20 years ago. There's things that I missed uh, from years ago watching this video a hundred times that all of a sudden were uncovered as we're sitting here, uh, you know, going over it from the very beginning. Um, you get that it is, well, obviously it starts with Big Boy in there playing the role of their manager. It's a funny little scene. Act like you got some sense. <laughs> yeah. Greyhound don't float on water. <laughs> exactly. Here Saying a bunch of things that you imagine an old guy from Atlanta would say. Um, definitely. In that, in that, like, the way that only Big Boy sounds, he's just got such a distinct voice. It's that so vernacular. Good. Um. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, basically a band, an eight- or nine-piece band consisting all of different versions of uh, of Andre 3000, including Johnny Vulture, um, Andre Ice Cold. Dookie. Uh, Dookie on yeah. drums, of course. Um, uh, he just looks so Benjamin fashionable. Andre, yeah. This guy, I mean, he could wear a fucking napkin as a shirt and now, here's the crazy be... thing at the beginning um you he you see a guy come out and introduce andre and he has a british accent and you immediately get this this feeling or at least i did not long i, I was woken up to you're getting like uh it's going back across the water american invasion into britain a la the beatles appearance on ed sullivan did you pick any of that up? Yeah, the uh, so it is based off of the Beatles' Ed Sullivan, but like a flip on it. Mm-hmm. That is what uh, director Brian Barber's idea was. The gentleman in the beginning is Ryan Philippe, uh, who was in Cruel Intentions, oh. Crash, Gosford Park, McGruber, The Flags of Our Fathers. Um, he was also in Reese bit. Witherspoon. Yes, he was, yes. and mm-hmm. Reese Without Her Spoon. Um, the, uh, the band it, uh, consists of... Uh, Keyboardist Benjamin Andre, bassist Possum Aloysius Jenkins, vocalist Andre Ice Cold 3000, drummer Dookie Blossom Gain the Third, and three backing <laughs> vocalists known as the Love Haters, and of course guitarist Johnny Vulture. A lot of uh, fun interactions with a a crowd full of absolutely drop dead gorgeous women, stunning that are just screaming their heads off for him. Like it. Ed's Beatles, Ed Sullivan, you know, same thing. Absolutely. Um, one other thing that we sh- really should mention here is the phenomenon of uh, Polaroid cameras. Uh, Polaroid um, went into bank or filed bankruptcy in 2001. Mm. And then a couple of years later, this came out and uh, caused a huge, gigantic uh, desire. Resurgence. And resurgence for yes. Polaroid pictures. Um, uh, it has been said many other places. I will go ahead and state it here as everyone else has. You are not supposed to shake Polaroid pictures. They can damage that can damage damage the picture. Damage damage. Um, so you, you know, don't want to damage it. You do um, not want to damage it's it. It's so much to the effect that um, Polaroid wound up releasing a statement that you do not want to shake the pictures. Uh, in response to that line, in specifically, but of course they ate it up. They, I mean, yeah. they loved it. Uh, you know, sure. they, of course they they came out immediately and were like, "Oh, uh, well, yes, uh, we we have a statement to make." Knowing that every shake was another dollar, you know, <laughs> it's just oh, yeah. like gold coins popping out of Sonic. Every time you shake that thing, it's just going to make them more money. 
Yeah, I went to number one this song on the Hot 100 December 13th, 2003, and stayed for nine weeks. For the last eight weeks, an outcast song from Big Boy's album, The Aforementioned The Way You Move, was number two when Heya finally fell out of the number one spot on February 14th, 2004. It was bumped by The Way You Move, which went into number one on Valentine's Day. Just two uh, people that really have it figured out. Yeah. I mean, damn. Uh, it's... They they really... I mean, it, it, when you look back at the... You know, I know they haven't done a ton since this time. You know, there's been a couple of things. But uh, from 94, when Southern Playalistic to this was just uh, an unbelievable run of success and fantastic music that, I mean, is is difficult to equal. I mean, it's right up there with, you know, we only had the Beatles for nine years. Uh, we only had these guys for, you know, outcast together for, I don't know, roughly around that same time. Yeah. And uh, and just a, a, an unbelievable production. Definitely one of the most overlooked band in, bands in, or groups in uh, hip-hop, um, seeing that, you know, now these days people only think that only, you know, like Drake and Jay-Z exist, and there's not much outside of that, or at least from my perspective. Um, you know, if you're young and you're listening to this, I don't know how many people are, go out and listen to those early outcast records. They're definitely worth it. And you can learn a lot from that shit. Uh, a couple things while we wrap up here. Um, this song was not uh, the first single that was going to be released from this album. It was actually released just in time, uh, was finished just in time. Um, it was originally going to be, she lives in my lap was going to be the uh, first single until Andre called them and told them, Hey, I was finished and said we should be releasing this first and boy was he right um so fantastic job <laughs> to him uh for getting that out in time it's also been covered by a million people that you've probably never heard of and if you had were surprised that they did it um obadiah parker um a, a band had a guy named matt weddle a folk band um, did an acoustic cover of this that became relatively popular on on YouTube. Local sensation, the Anchorite Four, used to cover this. Did you really? Yeah. I don't think I ever heard that. Yeah, okay. which is one of the re- ways that I know the lyrics of the song so well. Right. Um, Andre Three Thousand also uh, a little uh, fun mention. Wasn't the first to portray every band member in a video set uh, on a variety show. Phil Collins did it uh, for the song Two Hearts. Oh yeah, um, yeah. which is cute. Um, there are tons and tons and tons of, um, comments on this song. Uh, a lot of people arguing about the time signature, uh, which we won't get into no, here. No need for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a creep factor here? Um, no, I mean, he says some, he says some naughty words. I guess that'll put it at a 0.3, you know, ultimately, you know, it, I don't know. Hold on. Let me think about this. Yeah, because, you know, let me think the, about I this. I, I, like I normally any, I've know. gone first the last couple of weeks. You go. You talk me into a creep factor here. Uh, I'm going to give it a very low creep factor. I, I don't know if it's creepy as much as it is, um, you know, when things kind of fall apart after the not fall apart. But after the uh, I'm just being, you know, around the I'm just being honest. I'll give it a flat one. A one. Yeah, that's even more than I was initially going to. However, in the course of speaking about this um i'm uh, are you talking about it the first two verses um and really the i think the the meat and potatoes of the song uh, go over 
the probably the death of a relationship or how someone feels about relationship dynamics and how ultimately they're you know that the vast majority of them go nowhere and um which is more sad i think uh from from most people's point of view uh, others would look at it as interesting. I mean, a lot of pop songs are about just this. Um, the way he does it is good, but it's not. It's not happy. It's not. It's not rosy, um, which would give you, like I said, more of a sad feeling. And there's a, a tinge of creepiness to all sad feelings. So I'm going to raise it after when I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'll give it a one point two. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um. I wanted desperately to hold off on this song until the movie came out, but I don't think I don't think we can. What are you talking about? Our next song is going to be Barbie Girl by Aqua. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's June, it's too long. Okay. Uh I saw it mentioned somewhere, I can't remember if someone mentioned it to me or what, but I I looked into the lyrics and I was like, Oh boy. And uh and I can't wait until June. Okay. We've got to do this now. All right. Uh, so uh, next up, we will be doing Barbie Girl uh, by the, I don't know if I dare say hit band Aqua, mm. but the band Aqua. The song will not be in the movie um, for, for better or I don't know what the fuck. I, I don't <laughs> Seth looks over. I'm already. looking. Yeah, this is. Yeah. We've well, done so many that I've felt really so many episodes, even this one, which is. Leaves me with a little bit of a, a strange feeling, I believe, is, you know, is a good episode and, and we're really tearing into something I think somewhat important that people would want to listen to. Mm -hmm. But man, is that song awful? It really I is. Mean, but the <sighs> lyrics, I'll tell you, um, I don't know if you paid attention to the lyrics. I have, and I don't even really. Uh, well, it's we're going to get there. Yeah. We'll get there. So yeah. go and listen to the song exactly <laughs> one time. Uh, I don't want to get too many grunts it. and groans and sounds of dissatisfaction, you know, all over <laughs> your room here, Mark. Yeah, please. I mean, because we don't want any dissatisfaction. Keep it in your pants. No dissatisfaction in this room, Mister. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we'll, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go. It's gonna be gone over. It's gonna be exposed. We wish a happy new year. Yeah. To you and yours, you've had exactly one day. You're now on probably your second day. Maybe it's in the future, and you found this episode in a time capsule i don't know <laughs> but uh please um like and subscribe smash that like button the aliens are Tell listening a couple to <laughs> yeah and they're freaking the fuck out me and you um <laughs> uh your aliens and your cousin too uh we hope that you guys are having a good one please let other people know about the podcast um and uh we appreciate you we'll see you next monday with more lyrics to go Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics2gopod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>